Welcome to Nomina's Mental Health Mavens. I'm your host, Joanne, and every Sunday we bring you mental health and addictions experts on a variety of topics, including advanced evidence-based therapies. Now, guest opinions are their own and some content may be triggering, but our mission here and on our Nomina Wellness YouTube channel is to make exceptional mental health support accessible to everyone. So make sure to subscribe, give us that good rating, and maybe even share with a friend. So let's get to it. In today's episode of Mental Health Mavens, we have brought back Samantha Hunt, and Samantha is going to talk to us about structural disassociation theory, and we're building on the last episode that she did on trauma and EMDR. So with that, welcome, Sam. So welcome back, Samantha. It is so good to see you again. And last time we talked about EMDR for trauma, and I'm going to link that up in the up above. But today we're going to talk about structural disassociation theory. And I'm very excited because I've done a lot of these videos and I'm very involved in the mental health community. And this is something new that I have not heard of. So maybe you want to give us an introduction to it? Yes. Yeah. So um, you're right. Last time we talked a bit more about EMDR. And so today I wanted to talk a bit about some of the other modalities um, that I use in my practice and that lots of therapists would use, um, just to give our, our viewers something, um, you know, something else to have an understanding of, because we don't want to just say that, you know, this is the one therapeutic modality that works for trauma, as we know that there are lots of different trauma-informed evidence-based modalities. So it's different for each person because I know for myself, talk therapy just didn't work for me. I needed more of the somatic type work. Absolutely. Yeah. And everybody's going to process things a little bit differently. Um, And so, you know, some of what we're going to be talking about today with um, some of the, I, I really wanted to spend some time talking about some of the parts-based work that I do. Um, and it's a different, you know, style of talk therapy. We would bring in some somatic work, um, some visualization work sometimes, depending on how it resonates for clients um, and how we can actually use that to reprocess traumatic experiences. Um, so it's a, just a different form of reprocessing events. I'm excited to learn more because we've done a lot of these videos and we've covered off internal family systems, um, direct neurofeedback, EMDR, but I have not heard about this. Yeah. So IFS is an example of um, like a parts-based therapy. So it's basically that lens that, um, that our personality, our psychology is made up of different parts. Um, and so IFS is one great example. I've done um, a bit of training uh, with IFS. And now I uh, have been doing a lot more with uh, what we call structural dissociation theory. So again, it's this sense that our personality, our psychology um, is made up of lots of different parts and they can have different perspectives. They can have um, you know, different experiences. So one of the easiest examples is to say, um, you know, we've all had that experience of a part of me wants to go out for a walk, wants to go um, to the gym. And part of me wants to, 
you know, sit on the couch, relax, maybe watch some Netflix and eat some ice cream. Um, so we have these different parts of ourselves that um, may uh, have conflict. And so in, in this work, um, you know, what we're trying to do is help those parts have more cohesion and, you know, settle that conflict. And how does this conflict come about with trauma? Yeah. So, um, you know, what we would say in um, like a, a structural dissociation theory. So what typically happens and um, I'll explain it from the lens of more of a complex trauma. So this is um, typically adverse childhood experiences um, is what we'd be talking about with complex trauma. Um, so what happens is, you know, I've got a child who has a really, you know, big stressful experience that they're not able to you know, fully understand, fully form words to put it into a narrative story about themselves. Um, it's something that's just really overwhelming to them at their developmental level. Um, and so this could look like a pretty significant trauma from, you know, an observer standpoint, or it could be, um, you know, something that we wouldn't see as necessarily like a, you know, um, big observable trauma, but it could be a mismatch with a caregiver providing emotional support. It could be a mismatch in, in um, you know, caregiver temperament and things like that. So if it's something like big and overwhelming to the child that they're not quite able to understand it, cope with it. We basically would see a part of the personality would just kind of take this, not know quite what to do with it, but know that I still have to go to school. I still have to, you know, uh, go about my day to day. So I'm just going to put this over here and not really focus on it. And I can still then go about my day to day. I can still then go about um, my life, but a part of, of my psyche, a part of my personality, so to speak, is holding on to this big event that I haven't quite processed or integrated into my cohesive story. And so, yeah, so what we would possibly see is that maybe I have one event, maybe I have two, and I'm just kind of holding these over here. Um, and then when I have less capacity to kind of keep these to the side, keep these, um, you know, out of sight, out of mind, so to speak, it could be years later, it could be an adult that's coming into therapy with me saying, I have these really big reactions. I feel like I'm having a temper tantrum, you know, when my partner uh, says this, when my partner's not listening to my needs and I feel like, oh, I just explode. And it's so big and out of proportion to what's happening. And so it's these pieces here that haven't been healed, haven't been integrated into our experience that are just kind of coming up here and exploding. So how does one heal and integrate these then? Yeah. So first, you know, the idea is that they've been kept away from consciousness, right? We haven't been able to look at them because they feel really big and overwhelming because at the time that they happened, they were big and overwhelming. So, um, you know, I talked a bit about uh, this idea of resourcing in the EMDR video. And so we want to make sure that we are creating the skills to manage our emotional experience. Um, and so for lots of folks, they've learned that along the way as they've grown up. 
um, as they've come into adulthood. Uh, therapy can definitely help with creating new skills to be able to regulate our emotions, manage our emotions. And then we start to become aware of the parts of us that are kind of at the fringes. So for example, um, if this client is coming in and saying, I have these really, really big out of proportion reactions when this happens, we just get really curious. Um, So I want to start understanding like, what is it that's being triggered out of proportion, right? So what's happening here. Um, And that would be kind of where I would say it's a part coming up, right? It's a part of us that doesn't have that present day information that says, you know, this is a situation with my partner and I'm an adult and I'm capable of having a conversation and overcoming this conflict. It could be that this is a part of me from childhood that, you know, is so fearful and coming from a childlike place that I'm not able to have those conversations, those hard conversations or manage that. Um, And that's, fear or that emotion from that time is coming up and becoming really big. So it's this process of starting to uh, uncover, you know, where that part's coming from. What are its fears? And we just get really curious. Um, And so we just kind of explore the response that's happening, what's coming up, you know, in the body, for example, with the uh, somatic work. Um, Some of my clients are really visual people. So they've got these visualizations of this is what I'm seeing at this time, or, um, you know, this is how I'm feeling emotionally. Uh, Lots of my clients will come in with different um, senses that they feel strongest with. Um, So we just start to explore. And in that exploration, um, turning towards that part that's been for so long, kind of pushed away that experience that for so long we haven't wanted to take a look at, we can start to take a look at it from a place of, you know, I am an adult now. I can handle those those challenging experiences and I can have the sense of inner healing where I get to turn towards that part of myself I haven't wanted to see and give it that compassion, that, you know, healing Um, in whatever sense it needs. And and a lot of these parts will have different needs, like a need to be heard, a need to just be held and supported, a need to be like acknowledged. Yeah. That was one of the biggest things that I've learned on my journey is ask for what I need. It's okay. I'm first, I have to do the work to sit and figure out what do I really need? What's really going on? But then I can, I can speak my truth and, and ask for what I need. You know, some of my clients will find me on psychology today and um, through our Nomina website. And they say, like, I've done like therapy for, you know, uh, X amount of time. And I feel like I've got lots of great skills and I want to dig in now. Mm-hmm. And so then, you know, I have folks that come to me that are just like really wanting to dig into that past, really wanting to dig into you know, these reactions that I feel that are so big or so out of proportion to, to what's happening. You know, I want that understanding. I want to go deep. And that's, that's some really rewarding work that anyone can do. And is that where parts therapy comes in? Is that meant for some of the deeper work? Yeah. So that's where I would, um, uh, especially with like that complex trauma, 
Um, I find the parts therapy is a really, really great, um, a great way to be able to take a look at that. Um, and so that, uh, like I was saying, that structural dissociation lens um, that I take a look at or IFS, which I know we have another video on, um, you know, those are some great like parts-based therapy modalities um, that would be helpful and are indicated for complex uh, trauma work. What is the difference between trauma and complex trauma. And I know that should be pretty self-explanatory, but I mean, even myself, I, I understand trauma, but what would be classified as complex trauma? Yeah. So that's a great question. Um, and so in the DSM, which is the diagnostic, uh, statistic manual, um, that we kind of would use for diagnosing folks, um, we just have the label of PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, now for lots of, um, clinicians, we would say there's, you know, PTSD and complex PTSD. I'm going to take it a step back from, from the labeling and, you know, look at it as trauma and complex trauma. Um, so complex trauma would be more of that, um, you know, chronic experiences, um, like multiple experiences all in, um, in a shorter time frame. A lot of the times when, um, we talk about complex trauma or complex PTSD in the literature, um, it's more that lens of like frequent childhood, um, traumatic stressors. And so that's kind of where, um, the distinction would be versus, you know, um, trauma as a singular event that happens. Um, for example, like a, a car accident or, you know, a traumatic loss or, um, you know, a, a natural disaster would be more of like that sort of singular experience that would be of a traumatic nature. Yeah. Cause you would think when you say structural disassociation, that, that, something happens and a part of you disassociates with that and, and yeah, puts it off to the side and yeah, didn't happen to me. So the way that I would explain kind of structural dissociation theory is um, that we have, you know, this big overwhelming experience, which would be, you know, what we would call a trauma or traumatic event happening and so it's that part of our, you know, personality or, or psyche that um, takes that experience on. And in order to go about day-to-day -day life, in order to go about um, continuing to survive, in order to do that, it kind of has to push it away or dissociate from it. And I know that word dissociation, um, you know, is something that in popular culture, we kind of see it as that um, dissociative identity disorder or this like uh, really significant process. Um, but to a degree, um, most of us have engaged in dissociation before. Um, you know, I'm not sure if you've experienced you're driving down the highway, everything looks the same. Uh, you blink and, you know, time has passed and you're like, oh, I don't really remember kind of driving all this way, but I'm sure I have, right? So that's a sense of dissociation. And it is just a, a defensive 
um, structure that our our mind does uh, sometimes. It's more frequent in children. That's that like kind of fantasy, um, kind of daydreaming, zoning out, kind of getting lost in space, all those sorts of things would be what we consider dissociation. Um, And so what we're talking about from this theory is a more involved process that says, you know, in order to go about day-to-day life, in order to go about as my normal self, I need to take this experience because it's so big and overwhelming and I don't know what to do about it. And I need to just push it away. So it could be a sense of like in an extreme case, like that didn't happen to me. I have no recollection of it. Um, In some other cases, it's this um, idea of I have a narrative version of it. I know it happened to me. Um, I have the words to be able to describe it. I can talk to you about it with no emotion coming in. Um, So I have like this narrative, but there's something, you know, this would be more of the somatic work. There's something in the body that responds when it's triggered about that event. So it hasn't fully integrated, but I've been able to go about my day-to-day life as my kind of normal self, just keeping this over here because I haven't quite figured out what to do with it. And so that's some of that um, complex trauma work that we would take a look at is how can I um, start to turn towards this, this big overwhelming experience and integrate it into this, into my full self, right? And so that could be through, I might have a narrative of the event, um, but the emotions, the physical sensations associated with it are so big that I still keep it separate. So it's starting to pull it a bit closer, experience it in a safe way, a titrated way um, within the safety of the office with the therapist who's there to kind of emotionally support or hold space for it. Um, And for the client to be able to emotionally support that part of themselves and hold space for themselves. Now you mentioned titrate and that's fascinating. Do you want to explain that a little bit? Yeah. So, um, the way that I kind of describe it to my clients is, um, you know, when we're learning to swim, we don't just jump into the deep end and hope that we're going to be able to do it. Um, so I might dip my toe in to the water. I might put my foot into the water. I might, you know, have some water wings. I might, you know, and so we start to gradually develop the skill to go into the deep end. So, I'm not going to, you know, with a client say like, let's dive into the deep part of your trauma, right? It's that, you know, do we have the resources? Can we start to feel some of the feelings? Can we just acknowledge that this experience over here exists? We don't have to look at it, but what's it like just to acknowledge that it exists and how can we sit with that? And then we slowly, you know, get a bit closer to it. We slowly go into it a bit deeper, but in a really, um, you know, safe way. So if it ever feels like, whoa, I might not be able, okay, so let's just get back to the shallow end. Right. And that's kind of the importance of the therapist. I'm, um, I'm, you know, making sure that my client doesn't look overwhelmed, seem like they're overwhelmed, 
we would be identifying like, what are some of those parts defenses? So I talked a bit about anger earlier. So maybe there's anger surrounding this part. And so when my client starts getting really angry in the session, oh, we might be activating something that's not quite ready. So maybe we ease off a bit. Okay, so we can see that there's anger coming up. We can sit with the anger for a little until it, if it feels tolerable. If not, we can use some of our resources. We can use some of our skills. Maybe we're doing some grounding. Maybe we're doing some visualization, some, you know, um, calm place uh, visualization or just, okay, let's back off and come back into the room with the therapist. That experience is way over there. Um, And so that would be that sense of titrating. Then when the client feels calm, regulated, would you like to go back a little bit closer? Would we like to go back in? Do we feel like we have the capacity to then to then um, swim a little bit farther out now and knowing we can come back. And so the titrating piece is really important because lots of times um, when that part had to take the experience, push it away, it's because it was so overwhelming. So lots of us, when we're you know doing some of this work, one of the fears is that I'm going to be overwhelmed by this experience. And so the titrating piece is really important to help teach clients that they actually do have the capacity and the skills to manage really big feelings, really big experiences. Um, and it can feel safe to do that. And so that's why we move really slowly in trauma work. So I know you are extremely passionate about your practice and about the people that you work with. So what is the best part of your job? You know, part of the reason that I love this work so much is getting to see clients after we've done some really intensive, really hard work together and just seeing the shifts. Um, you know, I've, yeah, there's been so many clients that will come in and they have these, you know, really like life impairing reactions, right? These really life impairing responses when those parts of them are triggered and they're so confused they don't understand, you know, why am I blowing up? It's like in the moment, I, I just, I just react and I can't help it. Um, and as we start to do some of this work and we start to get this sort of um, integration and this like learning that, you know, especially with like anger responses, anger is a protective emotion, right? It's that fight response that says, I'm going to fight for my life to protect myself. So I'm always, you know, anger is, is really just this protective emotion. So what's underneath the anger that we need to take a look at, right? There's something there. And so when we can start to integrate um, the experience under anger, so anger is here, it's protecting, it's really big and it's, you know, helping me save my life. Once I can understand that and get to what's underneath anger, well, anger is my fear that, you know, I'm, I'm going to be left alone again. I'm going to be abandoned again. I'm going to, somebody's going to hurt me again. Once I can integrate that, there's this, this big fear. And when the fear gets activated, the anger explodes, right? But lots of us, we, we haven't connected into the fear because we've pushed it way over here, right? We've pushed it below our consciousness. 
So all we have is this anger that explodes seemingly out of nowhere, but it really explodes when this fearful part over here gets activated and comes full front and says, "Uh uh-uh, I don't want to feel that again. So let me do whatever I can to protect myself. And so we might also see, um, you know, that be addictions, right? Um, And so anytime I see uh, a symptom, right? So addictions, you know, this like big anger expression, uh, maybe a shutdown response, like you were saying, you know, um, I can't feel anything and maybe I want to feel something, right? Anytime I see some of those, you know, we just get really curious about what could that be doing, mm-hmm. right? And once we start to understand that, um, you know, that defense or um, that presentation, that symptom, we can start to look beneath it and see that there's this really vulnerable part of ourselves that we've pushed away because it feels you know, it, it doesn't feel comfortable looking at it, um, that's been activated. And so that's kind of what I, um, when I talk about integration, it's how can I acknowledge that this is a part of me and how can I, you know, hold it close and, um, start to heal some of that, that fear or start to teach that part of me that I'm not five anymore. And I have all these skills now as an adult and I have, you know, whatever the, the, whatever the case may be, but, you know, I am an adult and I don't need to operate from this five-year-old lens that says, I'm so scared of this thing happening again. Is there anything that uh, you, um, or you want to say in closing? Um, that when we're, when I'm sitting with a client, you know, I'm always taking a look at what is the need that is, is trying to get met. And if we're looking at that, you know, structural dissociation theory lens, it may be the need of this part of myself that I've pushed away. And so we, we get really curious about, you know, what's happening that's having this maladaptive presentation, right? And so when I talked about addictions, it seems like a really, you know, maladaptive way to get a need met but it could be a part of ourselves that's operating with, with limited um, um, functioning. So for example, if the experience happened at five years old, this part of me is almost stuck at five years old, right? And so that's also why sometimes it can feel like, you know, when it gets triggered or activated, I'm having a temper tantrum like a five-year-old or I'm trying to get, you know, this need, need met in a really unhealthy way. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's really about starting to get curious about these different parts of ourselves that seemingly don't make sense consciously, rationally, but have a really emotional component that's trying to do something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think we've all had that reaction. It's like, why did I react like that? What was going on? And, and, and chasing it a little bit. And like you say, getting curious and digging down. Yeah. Uh, Well, thank you so much for having me today, Joanne, and letting me talk a little bit more about some of the work that I do. I really hope that some of the information I've provided today can be helpful for our viewers. And I'm always open to answering questions 
um, providing any further feedback or anything like that for any of our viewers that might have yeah, specific inquiries. Thank you, Samantha. So I'm going to put your contact information in the description on YouTube and the show notes on the podcast. And um, we'll be seeing you again. It's always a pleasure. Awesome. Thank you so much, Joanne. Take care.